What was your mindset? Like, what did you think about and how did you handle that? A Marine in the Marine Corps is designed and formulated to believe that they're the best of the best. Did you regret getting out at any point and did you ever try to go back in? <laughs> Both. Your mind would race and, and wander and it's like, I'm not happy. 118, Welcome back to Surviving the Street, where policing meets personal growth, tough conversations, and partially filter stories of real events. With me again today on the podcast, I have with me former U.S. Marine and fellow law enforcement officer. If you didn't listen to the previous podcast regarding work home life balance, you know, this conversation and the previous one sort of play into one another. So if we're missing something here, you can go find it over there, um, fill fill in the gaps. Um, but, you know, he's a former Marine, as am I. So we both have experience transitioning from the military out into the civilian world and all the little nuances and things that go on with that. Um, and as maybe you are aware or you've had these experiences or you haven't had them yet, um, there is a lot of um, not doubt necessarily, but complications that go into that. Um, and again, you may not realize that this will be you or you will maybe resonate and say like, yeah, I also had those experiences as well. So do you want to go over real, you know, start, you know, when you're in the military, just making that decision to get out and um, what was going through your mind at the time? Yep. So uh, in the last podcast, I explained uh, uh, my challenges with uh, my previous marriage. So um, I had made the decision to get out of the Marine Corps uh, in 2012, and I specifically made that decision based on the, the idea that I wanted to save my marriage. Um, so uh, I started thinking about, well, wh what was I going to do, right? So I was a motor T operator in the Marine Corps, and I figured, well, the easiest transition would be uh, to drive a truck. Um, I will say I always wanted to be law enforcement when I was getting out. Uh, I thought that that would be the next thing that I was going to do. Um, and I can't even tell you why I didn't even pursue it. I should have. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I, I should have done it. I just never did. Anyway, uh, so I took the easy route, not necessarily the hard one. Um, and uh, we, uh, I got out in 2012. And I moved to Conroe, Texas with my former wife. And uh, I was uh, working for a metal building company called Mueller Incorporated. And I would uh, transport metal buildings um, from the warehouse there to the customer's property where I would offload all the pieces to the building. And uh, um, and then I would leave and go back and do it again. Anyway, um, I did that for about two years until... Uh, my wife and I at the time decided that, you know, we were no longer going to, uh, to engage in this marriage, which was again on the previous podcast. Um, after that, I didn't have a support system. Uh, I didn't have any, uh, any family or, uh, really super close friends that were my age. Um, so I decided to move up to Colorado with a buddy of mine. I was in the Marine Corps with, um, he was in, uh, the same unit I was in. And, uh, so I moved up there, uh, we, uh, we rented a house together and, uh, his dad was working for public services and he, he had asked, um, that I come up there and, and work with him, uh, driving a trash truck. They needed, uh, they needed guys to, uh, they, for the summer, 
and they, they were pretty shorthanded. So I told him, yeah. So I went up there and I drove a trash truck to did a uh, a residential trash route uh, for uh, it was about four or five months. And let me tell you, is that work? Um, I uh, that I mean that was that was like PT every day, all day long. Uh, you would uh, uh, you you know start start in a neighborhood and you just go down. You jump out of the truck, grab a can. Uh, throw the trash in the back, throw the can back, run up to the truck, hit the gas pedal, go as fast as you can to the next house, slam on the brakes, get out, <laughs> dump the trash. It, it, it was a good time. Um, you, you actually had to get out of the truck too? Were you driving and had to get out? So they had multiple trucks. So that's that's what they call a rear load truck. Um, and that's, that's operating a rear load truck without a partner. Um, so if you don't have a partner and you have a rear load truck, all that trash goes in the back. Well, it doesn't get there by itself. What do you mean you don't have a partner? Like you're by yourself? Yeah, yeah, by yourself in the trash truck and you just yeah. That's absurd. So, yeah, so <laughs> it, the the trash trucks when you're when you're on like the highways and when, when you're not doing your actual route, you drive it from the left side. Uh when you get over into the neighborhoods where you're going to be, you know, doing your your little route, you, you there's a little stand-up position with a wheel and gas pedal and brake and whatnot that's on the right side. Um so you would just like I said, you go from one house, put the trash in the back, run back up to the truck, hit the gas, go up to the next one, slam on the brakes. And you're trying, you do that because you have, oh man, you probably have four or five neighborhoods. Trying to get four or five neighborhoods in a single day is, it's, it's an all day plus some. Uh, so trying to get that done as fast as possible uh, was pretty imperative. So let me ask you this before we get too far ahead. So when you left the Marine Corps, you went to Colorado? Uh, Texas. Okay, Texas. And you went to, you you got a job driving a truck, right? But you had to do something. Did you have to get certifications and So right before I left the Marine Corps, um the all the military branches have uh, some sort of um like uh preparedness program um class, have you that you know, they they try and tell you, you know, how to be productive and um, in getting jobs or careers outside of the military. Um, to be honest with you, that class was kind of bullshit. Um, they, uh, they, they, they just talk at you. They don't explain things in depth on how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that. Um, so, um, I did want to be law enforcement, but I didn't know the steps necessarily, um, to, uh, to go and start that. Did you already have, you were already like certified to drive a truck at that point? Uh, when, when I got out, yes. Yeah. So, um, going through those EAA classes, they, you know, they, the ones they want you to get prepared for, uh, you, you basically, you know, write down, you know, what your attributions are, what do you want to do? And, uh, I took the easy way out and being motor T. So I decided I was just going to be a truck driver. So they set up a civilian ran class, uh, which was, I believe it was two weeks. So for those two weeks, I would uh, report to that civilian truck driving school um, until I got my uh, my class A CDL, and uh, uh, and it was shortly after that it was when probably like two months later is when I left the Marine Corps. Um, Did they was there some type of transition thing too where they? Well, I guess you can always apply, right? I, I know that you're in the Marines, but I'm getting out, so let me apply. Was it like that, or did they actually have, hey, you know, routes this company? You know. Um, 
no they didn't they didn't have routes per se um they they did obviously have some sort of contract with that civilian ran truck driving school they said you know if you're gonna be a truck driver you know this is the school to go to whatever it's in uh san clemente california or no i'm sorry it was in it was in carlsbad california i believe um uh but no they didn't they don't have any um routes for like some of the you know trucking companies throughout the country or nothing like that um but got out when i uh went to uh, conroe and then got divorced and then went to uh colorado and uh doing the the truck route deal and then um i realized real quick that i didn't want to be a trash man <laughs> um it was uh you know i was there to, to help out my buddy's daddy you know he asked me for that favor um so what you're, what you're trying to say is you recognize that you were working way too hard yes and not making enough money yeah uh, it was decent money i believe it was like 17 something an hour it was decent money um but uh i would uh one of the gross things about it is you would uh when you get home from work you take a shower and uh everything would be coming off you'd be black trash juice uh it's gross um you know, I dump cans and, you know, have maggots fall over me and when I was pretty disgusting, but. So let me ask you, this is a good, a good, uh, spot to ask you this. Okay. So you're in the Marine Corps and we all, well, if you're in the Marines or whatever, right, you know what it takes to just even make it right. Well, I would say like, at least at the time when I was there, I mean, I know maybe some things have changed and they're just kind of taking everybody and letting everybody make it. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, but the perception to me at the time when I was in the like boot camp, our goal is to make you quit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they made a lot of people quit, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people said the magic words or phrases that got them a one way ticket, you know, out of there basically. Exactly. Right. Um, that was the perception for, for me at the time. And therefore when you go through all that training, um, I, I wouldn't even really call it training really boot camp i mean it's more like uh again we're just trying to make you quit yeah <laughs> you know haze fest. so when you go yeah exactly so when you go through all of that to get the eagle globe and anchor um you know and then you spend your years in the marine corps the marine corps definitely again this is my perception you know they they definitely carry themselves and and uh, the way that they look Okay. Mm-hmm. They, they carry themselves the way that they look and they do make you believe, um, you know, there's, um, of course areas where people have their own experiences and this didn't fall through, but they basically, you know, they make you at least believe that, you know, if you want to be here, you, you have to live up to a certain standard and you have to, you know, live by a certain code basically, essentially. Right. Sure. Um, and then, so you go through all that to earn it. You're there and you see the Marine Corps, Right. And we hold ourselves to a higher standard. And I can't speak for other, you know, branches or whatever, but you go from that to leaving and you're now you're throwing trash. Right. Mm -hmm. And so was there at any point when you were doing that? And this kind of plays into my story in a little bit um, where you kind of saw those two 
you kind of thought about that, right? In your mind, like every day, man, I was doing this and now I'm doing this, mm-hmm. right? What was your mindset? Like, what did you think about and how did you handle that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a massive separation, right? Um, a Marine in the Marine Corps is designed and formulated to believe that they're the best of the best, right? That's the way that's, that's, that's the way the Marine Corps presents itself. Um, and that's what they, uh, distill in you is that, uh, you're, you know, between you and 300 of your buddies, you're the most deadly force on this planet. Right. Um, and you go from that to slinging trash, um, or doing anything of the sort, you know, whether it's, you know, could be construction or whatever it is. Yeah. So I would, I would say like, and, and if you were a Marine and now you're not, you know exactly what we're talking about. So I would even venture to say it almost doesn't even matter what profession you choose after that. Um, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm talking about. Um, yeah, go on. Um, it's the closest thing to being in the, being in the military or Marine Corps specifically is, uh, law enforcement. I would, I would, uh, I would imagine, um, you know, it's through, so that was, that was a daily struggle as far as when driving a truck and, um, regardless how much money I was making at the time, whether it's good money, whatever the case may be, I, I always still had that drive. Um, the, the, it may not have necessarily been, um, to the country or to, it was, it was for myself. I wanted to do something bigger. I want to do something that meant something. Um, and, uh, be, <laughs> slinging trash definitely wasn't it. Um, to, I, I made a little bit of a, a little bit of a better change. Um, after, uh, I was slinging trash, I started, uh, hauling cars on 18 wheelers. Um, and, uh, you know, that, to, you know, it's quite a bit harder than slinging trash. You know, you have to worry about not scratching the cars, you know, you, um, uh, you know, hauling brand new Mercedes down the road is, uh, is not something that, uh, is taken lightly. It's, can be pretty difficult to unload and off, you know, load and unload the cars on, on the truck without scratching them and everything else. Um, and all that weight, that high weight on the, uh, the top of the trailer plays a difference. It's not an easy, not an easy task. Um, and they pay, they pay uh, car haulers pretty well. Uh, I was making really good money, um, before I decided to go law enforcement. And I knew that when I, would transition from car hauling to law enforcement, I was going to take a severe pay cut. Um, and it didn't matter to me. And something that I want to point out again, before we get too far ahead. So you left the Marines or we all leave at some point and initially, right. The, you do have that thought or mindset that, I used to be doing this thing, which was of such a high regard and standard. And now I'm doing this thing, which is perceivably not right. And I think that that is something that you think about kind of plays in the back of your mind, but ultimately something that you're talking about right now. Um, and something that I'll talk about, it's, it doesn't really have anything to do with the fact that you were doing this and now you're doing this. It's the fact that, you are not um, feeling like you are achieving your purpose in what you're doing, right? right? Was there any part of you 
or did you even try? Cause I know a lot of, a lot do. Um, did you regret getting out at any point and did you ever try to go back in? <laughs> Both. Um, I regretted getting out pretty much as soon as, uh, I made the decision that I needed to get a divorce. I specifically got out of the, out of the Marine Corps because I was trying to save that marriage. Um, and, the, and it didn't work. Uh, so that's when I first, when the regret first started, um, I made the attempt to try and go back in the Marine Corps even before the divorce was final. Um, uh, I knew it was probably going to end. Um, and, uh, I, I ended up calling a prior service recruiter. Um, and I only had one conversation with the man probably lasted about five minutes and Pretty much what he said is that the Marine Corps is not interested in taking prior service members. They're only taking new guys, which doesn't make any sense to me because I'm already trained. I already, I already know the ins and outs of the Marine Corps. Uh, my job as a motor T operator, my secondary job as a machine gunner. I already know all this stuff. I've already got the experience. Um, I, uh, I got out as a, uh, as a corporal. Um, so an E4 and, uh, I already had, you know, Marines below me. So I, you know, knew how to, knew how to lead them and, and get to what's expected, um, by the company I was working for and whatnot. But, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense, but it irritated me so bad that the guy didn't even, he, he, he wouldn't take a minute to explain anything as far in depth. He just gave me the short answer. And, uh, I was like, you know what, to hell with it. Um, so that was, yeah, that was beginning part of 2014 is when I made that phone call. So you were, you know, truck driver, trash guy, mm-hmm. truck driver again, Yep. car hauler, yep. In proper terminology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, did you still feel like something was missing or, you know, were you so far kind of removed at that point from the Marine Corps that that was just something that was, that happened in your life, which it all kind of ends up being that way at some point in time for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when, it, when you got that job, was that when you disconnected, you know, your mindset from, I was doing that now I was doing this because this is a little bit better. Does that make sense? It, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it's a little bit harder of a job. I wouldn't say physically it's not it wasn't physically harder but um you know there's a lot more uh a lot more risk involved um but the biggest thing was the pay right um with the amount that i would work i was bringing in over a hundred thousand a year hauling cars i was bringing in about 73 or so a year um hauling trash so yeah i had a little bit uh motivation there with with money but when I would sit there on the highway, um, driving from, you know, Grand Junction to Denver or wherever I was going up in Wyoming or Utah, I would sit there and your, your mind would race and, and wander. And it's like, I'm not happy, right? I need to do something that is fulfilling. Um, if, if you don't have a fulfilling life, what are you doing? You only have one life to live, right? You need to do something that is fulfilling for not only you, but your family. Um, 
and having a, a strong support system with the family also is, is definitely uh, imperative. But And like we talked about in the previous podcast, but at what point in time were you driving the car hauler, doing the car hauler, th- car hauler thing when you met your current wife? I was, yeah. So I guess my question is, because for me it was a little bit different, um, how, how long when you were in the Marines to when you got out did you meet your current wife? Like, what was the time period? Was it months, years? It was years. Um, so I got out 12. I didn't meet here until 16, so four years. Wow. It's a good, it's a good, uh, I mean, at that point, four years, I mean, you're like, you're out, out. Yeah. Right? I yeah, mean, yeah. there's nothing that's going on in the Marine Corps that's bothering you. No, I didn't, I didn't pay any attention to the Marine Corps. Um, I, uh, once I, once I made that phone call to that prior service recruiter and he gave me the short answer, didn't take any time to actually explain why they wouldn't take any prior service Marines at that point in time. Uh, I just instantly got pissed. I, I got, you know, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to dwell on the Marine Corps and try and get back in. I'm just going to move forward. So you only, you only tried to get back in because you try to get out for the wrong reasons. Does that make sense? Correct. Um, you got out to try and save your marriage, right? Um, but then realized, well, it wasn't salvageable. Uh, how much time had passed between that and the Marine Corps? About a year and a half. So at that point, do you have to go back through a boot camp? And- no. Um, I don't remember, quite remember exactly. It's not a, I think it's like a three-week like physical deal or whatever. It's not boot camp. Um, but they didn't want you. They're like, nah. Yeah, they uh, basically the guy said, uh, it's easier that we just want new Marines. Interesting. It's, it's again, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, they don't, not, you know, like organizations make uh, sometimes um, decisions that for whatever reason don't make sense or we don't have all the information so we can't make sense of it. Right. Does that make sense? Um, the jobs that you had when you got out, and again, I'm kind of asking you these questions based on my own experiences. It doesn't sound like you really were around it like in your daily job that you are around other employees initially truck driving. No, I mean, no, not really. Uh, it was pretty much just by myself. So not having, yeah. I mean, now that you, you bring that up, it's, it's crazy. I never thought about it for the most part, um, at work, you're by yourself, uh, driving a truck, whatever. Um, I mean, obviously I was living with a, a buddy of mine that I was in the Marine Corps with, um, you know, so after work, you know, come together there at the house, hang out and, and BS. But, you know, at work, you know, no sports system there as far as, you know. I think it's it's definitely a million percent fair. And I think that, um, well, my story will make a little bit more sense. But there's definitely people in the, in the military that are, are really looking out for your best interest. Um, even though it might seem like they just want to keep you because they want you or need you or whatever. I don't know. But, um, one thing I remember being stressed when talking to a group of Marines that were getting out was make sure you have a plan. And there's probably Marines that get out without a plan at all, which is a problem Mm -hmm. or they have a plan that they think is a good plan and then they get out and that plan is not as good as they thought it was. Right. Um, 
and in your case, a little bit different. I mean, you had an avenue and they set you up kind of a little bit. I mean, they gave you something. Sure. Yeah. It was, uh, I would say that it was probably, it, it, it is a career path, right? So my dad was kind of right. What? When I said, uh, in the previous podcast about my dad was like, Oh, you're going to join and be in the infantry. That's stupid. Like, why don't you get a job that you oh, can get when you get out? I'm like, yeah. well, we didn't know at the time that didn't really make sense, but in a, in a way, um, but also you didn't have your, your, class was a class a drivers yeah yeah it's you class didn't, a cdo you didn't have that in the military no no so uh mil- military um like motor vehicle licenses has nothing to do with civilian world it, again so it doesn't yeah, even transition no. but they at least gave you the opportunity to go get it seems like they did yeah so that's cool so i would say like look that's a very easy on paper Hey, everybody needs truck drivers. Right. We're going to get you the license you need to drive the truck. You just got to find the job. That seems very realistic that you would be able to choose that path and get that job mm-hmm. at some point. Right. Um, so by the time you met your wife, far removed from the Marine Corps. Um, and so like even for her, um, not like emotionally or whatever, but she didn't have to really go through any of that stuff with you no um she fortunately or unfortunately yeah. right she she's mentioned that she wishes that she would have been there with me i mean she doesn't really know i guess the heartaches that are involved with being gone for you know you know six to seven months at a time um so you know she, she she's made that comment multiple times uh which further proves how supportive this woman really is to me, um, and to the family. Uh, but no, she never, she never had to experience that portion. I am putting her through the paces with my law enforcement career though. And there's no doubt about that. And she, she is very verbal about, uh, about her feelings and how maybe my decisions may not be so good for the family here lately. Um, which is why, like I said in the previous podcast, trying to make some some different decisions going forward. Right. So your experience, they're not really similar to mine, just because where you the where you were at in your life at the time. Um, so, you know, for me, don't want to get into like all these nuanced details and everything, but I knew I wanted to be a police officer even before I joined the Marine Corps. My goal was join the Marine Corps, uh, do my time. And then, you know, I had said basically on this like senior high school thing, like get to write out what you want to do with your life. And that's what I said, Marine Corps, then be a cop. And I wrote on there like be an FTO, you know, right. it's another story. Uh, and it's kind of funny, cool, whatever that, you know, in my own way, you know, with the podcast and the the YouTube and all this stuff, I'm. I am doing that, right? Not actually a field trainer because I don't want to be. Right. There's a bunch of stuff involved in that that doesn't interest me. Um, but I knew from 18 years old that I wanted to teach people, you know? So I think that's pretty cool. Yep. But um, I know that a lot of Marines, military people struggle with some of the things that we already talked about in terms of transitioning from the military into the civilian world. And yes, you definitely want to have a plan. Um and I had a plan, but it just 
the plan didn't it ended up working out in the end, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. And I think that that's a really, I don't say slippery slope. I mean, that's could be anybody's situation and it could just go the other way, you know? So I was married at the time. We're still married, same woman, 13 years. But, um, you know, I made the decision to get out of the Marine Corps for a number of reasons that I couldn't even possibly list, right? But I'll just give you a couple of the main ones that were driving factors. The last year or nine months, whatever our deployment was, I was in Afghanistan. So that's a, (laughs) you're going to figure out, you know, whether you want to stay or go probably in that time period that, you know, again, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, you know, that's a, it's a good place to do it, you know, because it's like, well, if you're, you're thinking about reenlisting or that time comes up and you're in the Bahamas, I don't know, to make up your own scenario, but you're stateside, you know, swimming at, on the beach, you know, you're like, ah, this ain't bad, you know? Right. But when you're kind of in the, in the suck, you know, um, that's maybe an easier decision to make. And some dudes just love that stuff, you know, but my, one of my main driving factors was that I did not want to be away from my wife. I didn't want to be away from kids when I had them. And I just knew that that was going to happen, right? If you stay in the military, that's the military life. You're mm-hmm. going to be gone. You're going to miss Christmases, all this stuff. And I just didn't want that for myself or my kids or my family. Um, and I was also, you know, following my, always had in my mind, my plan, right? Um, and then there was the idea that, well, you know, um, transitioning from, being in the infantry to being a police officer, those things are more, you know, pretty close. Mm -hmm. I mean, in in their own rights. Um, So, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps, went back to Northeast Ohio, had this plan, which the plan was go to a police academy and get a job as a police officer. seems very uh, strategic, you know, not a whole lot going on there in that plan. Um, So I went to a community college to be a police officer or the academy. And I thought, you know what? I need a job while I'm doing this. So I applied to security companies. That makes sense. I mean, the infantry, I like security. I like policing. I like this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll be a security guard. That'll be great. You know, (laughs) dude, I completely had no idea. But anyways, I went through the whole hiring process with the security company. I'm not even going to name who it is. Um, had my uniform, what is it, you know, pressed or whatever and mm-hmm. all that stuff and trimmed all little, you know, and, um, you know, I basically showed up to the, basically the, the supervisor, whoever was showing me the area I was going to be working and it was like a night shift. So he's like, you know, just come ride with me and we'll, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy was, you know, older, overweight. This is all bad, you know, riding around with the truck with him. And he was, um, you know, using like this little, I don't think like a magnet thing to like basically say he was here at this location and drive around the yard and then do another one. Right. And I was like, wow, this makes me feel terrible actually, <laughs> you know? And so I quickly uh, like abandoned, like you couldn't, I, you probably can't even say I was ever employed, honestly. Yeah. Cause I just like straight up was like, not going back there, not doing that again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went on unemployment and I was also getting the GI Bill. I don't remember how long that was for. Um, I had to keep applying to 
uh, whatever the requirements were for the unemployment at the time, which again, maybe that's part of your plan, you know? So keep that in mind. Yeah, could be. Um, factor that in on whether or not you qualify for that. Because I think, don't they, like when you get out of the military, don't you automatically qualify? Yeah, you do. You do, yes. So, you know, a little pointer there. Probably use that time to figure out what it is you should be doing and work the plan that you have in place. Um, but, you know, I was getting the GI Bill. So I was getting going to school for or going to the academy for free, also getting paid whatever that was a week or a month or whatever that was. And my wife was working at the time. I think she was a receptionist, maybe. Um, so it kind of turns out in Northeast Ohio, I don't know what it's like now, but probably hasn't a lot changed, is that you there's more people for jobs than there are jobs. Mm-hmm. So my wife had a hard time getting a teaching job, even though she had a degree. I um, went through the academy and had a hard time getting an officer job because, you know, how civil service, if you're not familiar with civil service, states do it differently. But I think it's in Ohio, you have like a, the cities are required to every two years or something like that to give a test. And so the civil service test is where you take the test and you apply to be an officer when they have a position open, mm-hmm. but they're required by law to, to serve the test. So you don't even know if they're hiring. Right. So when you get to pay money every time you go, it's like $20, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I took a number of tests. I drove hour away, hour and a half away to take tests for places that I didn't even know if they were hiring, you know? Um, and, it just, I saw it as something that wasn't going to work, you know? Um, and the, another point or two, if you're in the military and you want to be a police officer, I mean, I think Texas is almost different in that way. At least, you know, in our area, it seems like that is an actual route you could go, right? Couldn't you go to a, you can go to a community college or whatever and the, you can pretty much get hired, right? Yes. Um, they, they still, the community college, do, uh, does have that uh, law enforcement program available. And I think that's more generally structured for the smaller departments, right? They don't have their own academies. Um, and so, Constables and things. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, now, I already knew that. So that's what they do in Colorado, um, except for. Uh, some of the bigger departments like Denver PD, they have their own academy. Um, Color Springs has their own academy. Um, and I think maybe one or two others. Other than that, none of them, you know, they're all smaller departments. They don't have their own academy. So going and getting that uh, civil service deal is that through college is, is the only other route to go. I think most officers that are not in larger cities, um, go go that route but to me that's it's more complicated even if you don't plan on staying with the larger agency or you don't whatever your goal is you're going to get paid to go through their academy Mm -hmm. and you probably end up staying there anyways i mean they're hiring you but that happens with our own academy is people get the job and they're gone right right out of the gate Um, i think they have to stay like a year or something right do they i I think so well i mean i don't think so because they're what, what like well how are you going to keep them? I mean, yeah. they would have probably like a sign-on bonus that you have to pay back probably or something like that. Oh, yeah. But otherwise, funny. there's nothing they could do. Um, but anyways, just like as a pointer again, and I didn't realize this because in my mind, my plan was, okay, 
what do you have to do a police officer? Oh, you have to go through an academy. Oh, here's one where, where you live. Go do that. Um, and I just thought in my mind, my mind was like, you're going to get this certification. You're going to get hired. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like that was what's going to happen. But it turned out that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> um, and so, you know, going from the Marine Corps and having all these standards and, you know, all this stuff to drive around at night with a security guard that's, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, it just that that was not I'm glad I recognized that. Like, no, like turn your stuff in. Here's your stuff. I'm not coming back here mm-hmm. um, because I don't think that would have been well for my emotional state. Um, so I removed myself from that situation and focus on the academy. Um, and I'll say this because my time in that academy at the time was so close to me being, I mean, they, st- I got out of the Marine Corps, maybe waited a month and then I was in this police academy. So again, man, I tell you, I struggled with that because again, you just kind of don't realize that, um, you're going to be around people who don't care about certain things and act a certain way. And for me, I being like a professional and a humble person, you know, I've always carried myself and, and, and approach all situations just in the, in the sense of asking yourself, how serious is this comparing it to what, you know, seriousness to be in the military, which is like in a combat zone. Right. So like people are dying or whatever. And then you're, and I don't know if you want to call it necessarily PTSD or whatever, right? But you know, you're you're experiencing all these things that are maybe traumatic in their own way, or just not, even if you're not exposed to it, you, you just know about it, right? Going through all these high standards, all this stuff going on, to being sitting in a classroom where, like, I'll tell you what was the trigger for me was just like people were being mean to other people. I lost it, dude. Oh man, I I went home and broke down. We'll just say and. You know, my wife was with me the whole time, so she kind of knew. I was talking to her about these things. Like, I remember specifically saying, like, I don't understand how people could be so, like, rude to one. Not rude, but, like, cruel, right? Yeah. And it seems like such a, and now, maybe it even is such a juvenile thing to think about or to compare it to. Uh, But, you know, I was, in my mind, I was thinking, man, people being blown up, people dying, people not going home to their families, and you're sitting here talking about this other person or whatever right mm-hmm. i just struggle with that um but all you can do is continue to move forward anyways right um again i think that's speaking to some of the struggles that's why i asked you about were you around other employees because yeah. you kind of weren't mm-hmm. and so i was like oh man i was hoping i was hoping we were like uh shared some commonalities there oh, no no <laughs> but um you know I also experienced that too in the grocery store and specific incidents I can remember where, you know, again, not far removed. I think it was probably at this point, six months, six months to a year removed from the Marines and actually not even just removed from the Marines, but removed from Afghanistan, mm-hmm. Helmand, right? And, and I'm, not, I'm not sitting here trying to say, oh, I experienced all these things and it was crazy. I'm not, I'm not doing that at all. Um, but I remember being in the grocery store and somebody complaining about something. I, I remember being in line and just setting all my stuff down and leaving. What is going on? Well, that's that's the big picture mindset that you have, right? You, you experience, I guess, more of life, right? So you have a, a bigger perspective on uh, on life itself and, and what's, you know, what you would consider small and whatnot. Other folks, 
right? They have a much smaller perspective. So what they think is is a big deal to you, it's it's ridiculous. Exactly. Um, and so at that time, um, I got a job working as a nuclear security officer at a power plant. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Well-paying job, swing shift. Um, you know, at that time, just married. Probably my son was on the way. Um, pay was great. Benefits were great. Mm-hmm. Um, like they had a pension and a 401k. Um, but the same thing that you were kind of thinking about, same thing I was thinking about, same thing you, if you're in the military now or you get out or you went through this, you were also thinking about was, um, this doesn't feel like it's my purpose, you know, like I don't, I couldn't possibly stand here for the next 20 years and, and, and look at an x-ray machine. I couldn't possibly sit in this booth for the next 20 years and monitor these cameras while I'm watching Netflix, No, you know? Um, and I wouldn't even go back there, you know, now I wouldn't even go back. Um, so I continued to try and pursue a law enforcement career and, um, I basically got, an opportunity. I, I kind of was like giving up. I'm like, man, it's too hard to be a cop. Um, this is funny. It's too hard to be a cop. I'm going to go fi- <laughs> sign up for the highway state patrol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. But, um, so I, I ended up doing that, um, going through the whole process, physical is, fitness. Is, was this in Ohio? Yeah. Ohio. <laughs> and you know, I made it through everything and I, I got my packet for orientation to show up on this day. And I, I don't remember exactly how it works. I think, I think the orientation is like a week before you actually have to go. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly, you know, it's an orientation. You show up and like, Hey, this is what we expect. This is where you need to be. This is some stuff you need to get done. Um, and I, so again, emotionally at the time, I want to be a cop. Do I really want to just be stopping cars on the freeway? Do I really want to be doing that? Like, no, kind of want to be responding to calls, you know? Um, and so I just didn't show up, you know, no call, no show. And, um, again, just kind of continue to pursue that uh, law enforcement thing. And this is, we talked about this in the previous podcast about, um, you know, why are we pursuing these things and what are we sacrificing in the process of doing that? Um, and I, I admit it couldn't possibly be for, if you're leaving a job that pays well for a job that pays less, it has nothing to do with, um, it, you're doing that because you want to do it for yourself. Right. Uh, man. And, uh, you know, I would do it again. Um, but I don't even know. I I can't remember having that conversation with my wife or whatever. Just when you're, you're together and you've been married and you've gone through all these things, you went to police academy. She knows you're trying to be a cop. and She never questioned me like, why are you doing that? You know, um, you know, you're going to leave this good job to go there. Uh, so that wasn't really something. And I would say at the point where I got hired and I would say, I mean, basically at that point, it had been two years removed from the Marines when I became an officer. So, so the transition and, and the complications with getting out of the military at that point were gone. Um, and I know military people in general, it just doesn't work out that way. I mean, they they have a plan that goes to crap and I'm going to live with my dad and then, oh, that didn't work out. And I think that that could really not be a great thing no and it can happen fast if uh if you don't have the proper motivation when uh when getting out and uh 
a set plan with the motivation and a support system all at the same time. If you don't have the collective, then uh, it's it's got the potential to go downhill for you very fast. Um, an example, if uh, you have a plan, right, and your plan's taking longer than, uh, or there's more steps that are involved with your plan, and you don't have the motivation to, to keep going, um, it may not work out. In the, in the military, you have to be somewhere to set time. When you leave the military, there's no one telling you when to wake up. There's no one telling you when to go do this, when to go do that. If you let yourself get lazy, it, uh, it, it can kill your, your future plans. Uh, I got a little story, though, as to when I finally made the decision to go ahead and go law enforcement from being a car hauler, I was living with my current wife. We were staying at her mom's place. And uh, it was a nice little neighborhood. Um, it was probably 11 o'clock at night, maybe somewhere around midnight, maybe. And uh, I hear some people arguing down the street. So uh, we were on the, the second story of the house, and I opened the window. And I can I can hear some people arguing. So, and again, this day and age, I probably would just you know, shut the window and go back to sleep. Um you know, or be a good witness. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point in time, I was like, uh, let me go see. Maybe someone needs help. Maybe they don't. Right. So I went out there. Um, initially I had, I had my firearm and I was like, and I, and I was walking out. My truck was parked out front. And, uh, initially I walked to the house with my firearm and I was like, you know what? Let me just put this down. So I actually put it in the bed of my truck and then I walked down the street and, uh, you know, there, uh, there's two females and a male and, uh, they're arguing. I see the male choking one of the females. So I run up there and I grab the dude and I tackle him through, there was a, a glass front door and we ended up going through the glass front door. Um, and I was able to subdue him and, uh, it, pretty quickly, he pretty much, he gave up. Um, and, uh, one of the other neighbors um, he woke up and uh, he called the police and we held that guy on the ground for the police to come. And I think uh, the girls were, were thankful um, and whatnot, but it was, a, it, was a, it was the boyfriend of the younger female choking out the mom. Um, and I think it was at that point in time where I, just, where I finally decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start pursuing this law enforcement deal. I, I seem to be pretty good at it. <laughs> So, so I, um, that's, and then that's where, you know, I had this, I had the conversation with Lauren and I started, um, applying to a bunch of different agencies, Colorado, like I said in the last podcast and, uh, couldn't get into anywhere. So then I applied for Chicago and then Houston and the wife said, uh, you you know, we can't go to Houston uh, or can't go to Chicago. You know what, if you, if you go there, we're not coming with you, me and me and my her and my daughter. So ended up, uh, coming down to, uh, South Texas, getting a job there. And, uh, um, it's been, it's been pretty good career so far. I've, uh, really enjoyed it. It's, it's fed that, that thing that's inside you, um, you know, to kind of like, uh, 
like we were talking about earlier, the, the Marine Corps thing. Okay. The, the Marine Corps instills in you the best of the best, um, you know, first to fight and all that other, that other stuff. Um, and it, it, it's, it's what's fed that inside me ever since. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I've always wanted to be a police officer ever since I left the Marine Corps. I just never set up that plan. I always took the easy route with the truck driving deal. Um, and, uh, it finally took one incident to make me realize that I might be pretty good at this. I should probably take a look at it. So I didn't, I know that some people that get out of the military or Marines or I'm friends with several Marines, you know, still. Um, and I think all of them, it's interesting if you go and like talk to them about what they did or if you, even better, if you're still talking to them or we're talking to them at the time, it's interesting to just hear how that played out for them. Um, and they found their way to wherever they are now. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, I know of more or less one guy that's basically like a professional rock climber, you know, like, and he was like, not that, not that rock. He wasn't a rock climber that I knew, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and it almost seems like, and I don't know for sure. I know several of those guys that got odd jobs together. Um, and now they're all back in their own States and they're all pursuing careers or whatever. But it could definitely, it could definitely, you touched on this, you said motivation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the ultimate thing about making the decision to get out because you're either, you know, going to make the decision because you want to for whatever reason, or you're going to stay in and continue to go down that road. Um, but even if you get out after 20 years, those guys aren't like not, those guys aren't like going to retire. No, <laughs> They're getting out to go do something else and they're going to have the same issues that it will perceivably, you know, some have connections and stuff and pathways or whatever. But internal struggles that most people do at whatever, four years, 10 years. They might even have more because now they're older, yeah. right? So how, how old are you going to be? If, okay, so you go in at, uh, at 18, you do 20. I know, I know of a person who's 38 years old. I know, I know of a person who said, well, they retired from the military. Now they're an officer. And they've been around for a bit. And I don't know what they have to do to retire, but whatever the math was, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna retire from here, and then I'm gonna go get another job, and get that retirement. In my mind, I'm like, you're already older, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some other goals or reasons why. Maybe setting somebody else up as kids or something. I don't know. But dude, you don't work till you're dead, right? There's got to be more purpose other than the job at some point, right? And I know a lot of people had you know do work until they're dead you know, or they retire because they're like, oh, I'm just going to do five more years, you know, right. and then they retire and then they die, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so back to the military thing and, and getting out. Um, the big thing is know what you want and have the discipline and drive to get there. You already have the discipline and the drive probably yeah, because you are where you are. The one big thing you have to figure out is knowing what you want which in and of itself can be a whole episode because that thing can change too. You know, sure can. what, what you want. Um, we talked, we talked about in the last episode, 18 years old, you don't know what the hell you want. No, <laughs> you think, no you know, you're throwing darts at a board. Basically. Even when you're getting out of 22, you still have no idea, um, yeah. you know, what life really is, yeah. especially life outside of the military. It, it, and it, it, it's, it's super interesting for me because, you know, I'm, I'm just even over the last, we'll just say year and a half, two years. Okay. All right. Marines, 
get out. No, I want to do this. Okay. I'm doing it. Okay. Now I know I want to do this. Uh, okay. Whatever. Oh, now this thing that I'm doing with all this stuff, right? Um, it's what, it makes you think it's like, this is what I want now. I wonder if that will change later. You know, um, I don't, I don't perceive that to happen because there's just so much within law enforcement and military, um, to get into and be interested in, you know, there's a whole number of different avenues to go down. So beyond having the discipline and the drive to get there, knowing what you want is important, but understand that that can change. Um, and it's okay. Or they say your left and right lateral limits, you know, Mm -hmm. those things change, just make the adjustment. Um, and, um, the big thing that you, you said is taking action, right? I mean, if you're served up a situation that isn't, isn't great. Well, if you sit and, and wallow in that scenario, um, it's probably not going to serve you very well. You know, you could find yourself in a, in a place where maybe you already weren't in a good emotional state, which also feeds into your physical abilities and, and, and mental health and all that stuff. Um, but now you're also allowing uh, the situation to keep you there probably, right? Which is all not a good thing. And people have asked me, you know, um, not not how to get out of a certain situation or how to stay motivated. Again, a whole nother episode we could talk about mental health and stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah. But, and this is the hardest thing. And I, I've, I have a, um, some experience with this that I won't talk about now, but... what you need to do is you need to take action, but it's also the hardest thing because I'm talking about, you know, physical, like physical action to, to get better. Right. Um, and another part of that, that is so difficult is that you want to just maybe get better or feel better or be in a different state right away. But it's like, no, that's not how that works, you know? So that's why it's also super important. Like we talked in the last podcast about, um, prioritizing what's most important and your health is up there because once you get into a a position where your mental health is maybe affecting your physical health, um, it's hard. Things are a lot harder, right? Rather than if you just tried to maintain and main, uh, a good, you know, mental health and physical health, um, you've already put yourself in a position that you have to dig yourself out of. And it's even, once you even dig yourself out, it's hard to not go back there. Um, Absolutely. And that's all either uh, prevented from taking action, maintaining, or if you're there, taking action to get yourself out of there, which I'll go into detail more, you know, at a different time. But another thing that you should do if you're in the military and you're getting out, you have to lower your expectations. Uh, yep. Now, now I'm not talking about personal expectations, okay? <laughs> But you have to lower your expectations of other people because you're in an environment where like the, the absolute best is expected. And if it's not, it's going to get addressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just not the civilian world. No, it, it seems like the civilian world, mo- most people are only worried about themselves. Um, especially say uh, if you're trying to start a career in something, right? And you have loopholes. So say you want to open up a bar, right? You, that's your aspiration, man. You want you want to you know, open open up a bar and serve people whiskeys, right? There's a lot of loopholes that go in with that. And when you go up to, uh, you know, the, the, um, I don't know what they're called, the alcohol uh, tax folks to get your alcohol license. No, no, it's, uh, uh, I don't remember what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, to get your sales permits for, for that. It's it's a certain office you go to. Every, every county has one. Um, anyway, so when you go to that county office, okay, that person that is uh, behind the counter, you think they really care whether or not you get your business up and running? No. They, uh, they don't care about nothing but getting off on time. Okay, so understanding that no one is going to help you but you is imperative. Um, and it, and it's it's becoming more and more apparent every day. Pay attention to what he's saying, because what he's saying is not not just my philosophy on law enforcement. Okay, because I talk about being the the best, most capable individual officer you can, because as you know, nobody's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that has to be your mentality. If you are so lucky to just be a part of a team where everyone is there all the time with you awesome um but that's not the reality of most law enforcement officers um so you know you're talking about you know you're talking to this lady about something like oh well don't expect her to care about what okay that same mentality as an officer you're 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 also going to have you know whether you're out on the scene by yourself or you're doing a traffic stop um and that's just something i see all the time but you know, what you're talking about, that's also something not even I was dealing with or feeling emotional about, you know, what is it, 2012, 11 years ago, 10, you know, 10 years ago now, people not caring is something I'm dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the biggest things. You you follow the Instagram, Kinetic Concepts underscore group, you see me talking about this thing sometimes in the story. Um, nobody's going to care more about the thing that you care about than yourself. Like I said, lower your expectations because even now, even, you know, dealing with other, other people in certain situations, man, you're just going to get whatever it is you get. And that's something I still, I still have a hard time with, you know, I'm like bare minimum, like do the bare minimum that I would be happy with that. But sometimes you're not, it's uh, you'll live a happier life. If you come under the realization that nobody cares about anyone but themselves um, and nobody's going to help you get to your goals. Okay. If, if, if you keep that mentality and understand that and respect that, then, um, you'll be able to go further. Well, yes. Understanding it is one thing, but again, having the, the, what's going to separate you from everybody else is when that stuff happens, I'll tell you right now, dude, I just want to throw in the towel. Yeah. (laughs) Like I just want to give up. Um, and not to get in, too much of the entrepreneurial thing but you know the only thing that sets winners apart from people who don't make it is the fact that in those situations where people were telling you no and people weren't giving you opportunities and where people were literally trying to take your legs out from under you and dismantle what you've built um, the only thing that separates yourself from the people that have already made it is that they were willing to push through that and continue Mm-hmm. right because they had the drive to do that um man that's a tough one again that's a whole other thing we could talk about on yep. a different day but so i talked about taking action right um having discipline and drive knowing what you want which can change lowering your expectations and also having more than a plan a right um the support system is going to help as well yeah that as well having a plan b and a plan c also uh okay um, and also understand like that there's getting out of the military, there's a bunch of resources for you. Right. 
you're you're kind of a fool if you just like don't use your GI Bill. Figure out a way to use that. Right. You know. I haven't started using mine until recently. Um, I thought I'd never go to college or do anything, and uh, I finally decided to take the plunge and start doing online classes. Yeah, that's super easy. I mean, I I got I got a bachelor's around here somewhere. You know, <laughs> yeah. criminal justice. Um, but with the you know, I was signed up for classes to learn how to build things like construction or heavy machinery because in my mind I'm like I don't want to go to school oh you'll pay me to go learn how to work this heavy equipment that seems more interesting I'll do that right and so those are things that you could get that aren't going to use up a lot of your GI bill first of all because the course is only they're only about uh, 10 to 20 grand depending you go it gets paid for you get paid while you're doing it and then you get a certificate at the end that says you can do this job and then you can be like, well, that kind of interesting too. Right. And you can go over there and do that thing. You can go be an electrician. I'm going to school to be an electrician. Now at the end of that, you got all these options, right? Um, so definitely understand that there are, you can't do nothing, right? You have to use what's available to you. But I think more or less, you know, beyond deciding, because this was this really wasn't a podcast about deciding what you want to do and achieving that goal. It, this was more of a podcast to focus on how difficult it can be from an emotional, physical perspective of leaving somewhere where you, there's a standard and all that stuff and then realizing, oh, crap, it's not like that out here. Mm -hmm. um, and trying to give listeners maybe an insight. One, this is the expectations. And two, you're not alone because everybody's felt that way. Um I mean, imagine being someone on SEAL Team 6, right? You, you retire and then you go to the grocery store and some lady, <laughs> I'm just using my uh, personal experiences, you know, some lady is complaining about something. Yeah. I don't know. Like to me, that that was like my trigger. I was like, oh Lord, <laughs> get me out of here. Yep. So um, again, you know, you're not alone, but that that's basically the general guideline um, and avoid things probably that don't help like alcohol. Yeah. Like gas pedal less brakes more you right. know? um we got anything else on this transitioning no um it's it's just gonna be kind of uh make sure you keep the correct mindset and uh keep pushing don't quit yeah and understand that if you don't know you know it's okay ask if you don't know ask but if you don't know what you want or what you want changed that's okay it's gonna happen probably for your entire life yeah if you have any questions you can reach me at kinetic concepts underscore group on instagram if you're looking for training in texas kinetic concepts group.com you can fill out the subscriber on there to be notified of our upcoming training or if you have the ability to host training in texas you can send me an email at instructors at kineticconceptgroup.com. We got crews coming.